0: Morning. If you're a note taker, I'm going to be talking about our delivering God. My opening text is Psalms 107, and I'm going to begin in the first verse. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands. From the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. The opening stanza says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. The word, oh, needs to be emphasized. It says emphatically, I wish people would learn how to give God thanks. What the psalmist is saying is there's so many people that forget all the good things that God has done for them. But, oh, I wish You all would remember to give God thanks. And then he goes into the reasons why he is admonishing us along these lines. That God rescued us, that God redeemed us. And not just a few of us, people that were scattered to the four corners of the earth. From the east, the west, the north, and the south, God has redeemed us all. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Verse number four, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. The word desolate means that it was a barren and a dry wasteland. People were wandering the nation of Israel. The Hebrew people were wandering in the wilderness in a desolate way. If you've ever been in the wilderness, that's a desolate place. That's a barren place. It's a dry place. It's not a place of comfort. It's a place Of discomfort and and the people of God were there and they were wandering in a way that they weren't making progress. There was problems for the people of God when he brought when the Lord brought the people out of Egyptian bondage. He was going to take them into a promised land. It was an 11 day journey. On a map from point A to point B. But it took a lot longer than 11 days. It took 40 years. Everybody say wow. I said so they were in this barren and desolate place. And in and, and the wilderness is what it's known as. And they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Notice emotionally they're becoming depleted. their Their tank is getting empty. And then, in verse 6, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city for a dwelling place. Verse 8, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. This first example that the psalmist give us, is a really applicable one is that there's a lot of people that are wandering. They're not progressing. They're in the same loop in the same place and sort of going through the same routine. And yet the promised land is something that God wants them to experience. But they're in a place of desolation. It's drying. It's barren. And they're there because of their own actions and attitudes. It wasn't God who put them there. They created the wilderness in their life. And so it is with all of us that You know, we have invited and we have hosted and to a way we have entertained problems. And we just think that, you know, somehow, you know, we're existing, we're surviving, even though our soul is depleted and we're thirsty and we're hungry. We still sometimes, you know, forget, forget until it gets too much. And then we do something that we should do in the first place. We cry out to God. I I think it would be good for us to cry out to God early and often rather than later. Now, God hears us despite the, the things that we have permitted in our life. He is still good. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He is good. In spite of our recklessness and sinfulness and selfishness, the Lord is the one who's good. So they cried out. To the Lord in their trouble, he delivered them out of their distresses and he led them forth to the right way. Scripture says there is a way that seems right unto man, but that end, the end of that way is the way of death. It's not the way of life. But then God redirected them because he delivered them. And from all of their distresses, distresses means all of their heart aches, all of their brokenness all of their sufferings, all of their grief. So when we're in the wilderness, we're grieving, we're suffering, our heart is heavy, we're heartbroken. We're grieving because we're longing for somewhere where there's a life, a city, a place we can occupy. Let me put it this way, a place we can call home. A place we can call home where you can hang your hat and you can put your feet up and you can rest and you can refuel. How many of you like going home. I mean that's that's your safe place. You put the fire on. I'm sorry you had to put a fire on in the middle of March. Put the fire on and and put your feet up and 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 get something refreshing to drink and enjoy the rest. And that's what the people of God didn't have. They didn't have a home. They didn't have a city. They didn't have a a place they could kick their feet up. They were They were traveling in a barren and desolate place. But the Lord brought them around to a right place on the right path. And then it goes on in verse nine. It says why he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. So now the soul that was depleted, the soul that was empty, the soul that was parched and dry. What does God do to that? That longing soul, that place that we just all yearn for of acceptance, of belonging, uh, of freedom. God does what? He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. Verse 10. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. Another scenario the psalmist is going to give us. This is a, another Picture of humanity, another picture of humanity, those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. Would you say that darkness and death? Just one more time, darkness and death. Bound in affliction and irons. Why? Why is all of this happening? Verse 11 gives us some insight because they rebelled against the words of God. Rebellion always cost us. Because they rebelled against the words of God. It's one thing not to know the word of God. And be unaware of what it says. But it's another thing to know what it says. And sort of. Turn your back on it. And go a different way. And that's the scenario. That's why. Darkness and death had entered into these people's lives. Is because they knew to do good and weren't doing it. They were just. In rebellion. Going their own way. And they despise the counsel. Verse 11. Of the most high. Verse 12. Therefore because of this. He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. And there was none to help. So everything became weighty and heavy. Their work became something that was drudgery. And not fruitful. And death. And darkness are now encompassing them. And they're at a low ebb because everything is hard. Everything is hard and challenging. Verse 13. Then. Then they. What did they do? Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses, out of their suffering, their grieving, their heavy heartedness. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. Just like he brought the first group out of a place where their soul was not satisfied. Now he delivers people from darkness and from death. And he broke their chains in pieces. Verse 15. Oh, can you hear the cry? This is. This is not something that's that's like the psalmist. This is like something from the depths of his own being. He's crying out, oh, would mankind, would humanity recognize this pattern and recognize the one who delivers, the one who's faithful even when they're not. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the barns of iron. What did he do? He brought freedom where there was none. He brought them out of captivity. He he brought them out of death and darkness. And he broke all the chains. And those iron gates that were holding them in restriction. He brought them out of prison. Verse 17. Another category of people fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Sometimes, you know, the person that we look at in the mirror is the person that has caused most of the problems in our life. Well, we try to blame the devil. And, of course, he has his place. And there's plenty that he has done to cause problems for humanity. He endeavors to get us to get ourselves in trouble. That's what temptations are all about, living a selfish or self-serving life, putting self ahead of our Savior. And if he can get us to go down that way, we all reap what we sow. I mean, when you put something in motion, what you put in motion stays in motion till you get it out of motion. And then when you get it out of motion, then you begin to experience something new. Well, how do you get something out of motion that you put in motion that you wish you would have never put in motion? You change your mind about it. But unfortunately, what the psalmist is saying here, sometimes it takes a while for people to get a belly full of themselves before they turn to God. And I, I I'm not quite sure if it's just, Myself that I'm referring to right now, or if there's a witness in the house of God today, is there a witness? A few holy grunts, and so I'm somewhat pacified by that. Thank you for uh, appeasing me for a moment. It says in verse, though, number 17, fools because of their transgressions, because of their iniquities were afflicted, their soul abhorred. That means it hated or despised all manner of food. Now, God was faithful to provide food for them in this wilderness and in this barren place that was desolated. God was the one who was good to them, and he's good to us, and he provides our daily food. And everything that we partake of should be partaken of with thanksgiving. You may not be eating what you desire to eat, but if you give thanks for what you have, I imagine... It won't be long, and you might be eating better. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. There was a, a, a gentleman years ago that uh, needed some help with groceries, and he came to see me. I said, well, let's go grocery shopping. And, and I said, you know, we've got about $50. And, and uh, I said, you know, let's think about what, what you might need for the week. And, and I'm glad to help. And he had his eye set on uh, the, uh, the deli. And what he told me is he said, Pastor, all I want is some lean cuts of meat. And I, I said, you know, well, we can get some lean cuts of meat and, and we can have, you know, we've got $50 so we can get X amount of pounds of meat or, or we can get a lot of other food that will stain you for a week. We can get you food for a day or two, maybe three, or I can get you food for seven or eight or nine days. And, and, and he wasn't appreciating, you know, that, hey, I could have oatmeal and, and for breakfast. And how many of you know you can, oatmeal will satisfy a, a stomach? It, it, it may not be eggs over easy and lean cuts of meat, but it'll satisfy your, your belly. But if you're not thankful for the oatmeal, then, then I don't know that suddenly someone would be thankful for steak and eggs. You know, Thanksgiving begins with the small things. And that's where the origins of it is. Just give thanks for what you have and then watch what God does with it. Because Thanksgiving is known as an offering to the Lord. When you offer up Thanksgiving to the Lord, he receives it. What he receives, he blesses and increases. That's amazing to me. And remember, we can't manipulate God. God knows if we're thankful or if we're not. If we're just framing the words or, or if we're really have a heart of gratitude. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we we need to be thankful. For, so, but just start off in faith. Sometimes you know you don't feel like giving thanks, and you've had the same thing over and over again. But give thanks anyway. Uh, the the Israelites had manna every day for forty years. They, they should give thanks. There was an occasional move of God where where you know quail came and. And, but they became gluttonous and so then a plague broke out and because they just, you know, fleshed out. And, and there were other times where, where God did miraculous things, but they, they forgot to be thankful. They forgot. That Thanksgiving is really the lifestyle of deliverance. It, it's how deliverance comes. It's how deliverance is maintained. It's, it's how deliverance is a part of our experience with Jesus Christ. And then it goes on and it says they cried out to the Lord in verse 19 in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He delivered them from their destruction from everything that was self-inflicted. He was delivering them from why? Because they began to give him thanks and Thanksgiving is a weapon. It's a weapon that God has given us against complaining and fault finding and bickering and strife and envy and jealousy. Thanksgiving is the remedy. It, it's what keeps us out of captivity. It's what it's what allows our soul not to become lean or, Are you following me. It it keeps us out of prison, self-imposed prison. It keeps death and destruction Away from us. What does? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the spirit in which we should live our lives. It is the way of deliverance. It is the way of deliverance. First Corinthians chapter 10 parallels this. And and I I want to read this without a lot of expounding. But I want you to find first Corinthians chapter 10. And then we're going to go back to the Psalms 107 here in a minute. But First Corinthians chapter 10 and Paul writing to the church. Everybody say the church. And that's us. That's, that's us. So we just looked at the nation of Israel and, and, and during this, this reading this morning, you might have thought, wow, I, I would have been grateful. I, I would have got it the first time or, or maybe this, I don't think I would have fallen prey to these things three times and, And allowed, you know, myself to get to, to such a low ebb before I cried out to God. I think I would have learned quicker. I think I would have been a quicker learner than the Israelites. I, I would have, I, I wouldn't be as slow as they are. I wouldn't be as stubborn as they are. I wouldn't be as prideful as they are. I, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Have you ever told yourself you wouldn't? Just to find out that you did? Or are? Okay, let's read this. Because sometimes we think, well, that's them, not us. That's then. Listen, and not now. Don't make that mistake with the Bible. Don't say that. That was then. And this is now. Oh, that's so old and archaic and and irrelevant. It's not even applicable to today. Don't fall into that trap lest you be caught away in deception. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So it says, moreover, when the Apostle Paul says, moreover, he says, I got a few more things to say before I'm done saying what I need to say. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So who's, who's who's the audience? Us, believers. Instead of brethren, we could say, hey, listen, fellow believer, listen, listen, and learn. We could even put it in that kind of category, just like the psalmist said, Oh, 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 the groan of it, the travail of it, just oh, the pain of it. And this is Paul saying, listen, listen, listen and learn. Don't learn the hard way. Don't let your soul become depleted. Don't let death and destruction surround you. Don't be encompassed by darkness. Don't allow yourself to get to this horrible low ebb. Even though God is faithful to deliver you then, wouldn't it be better that he delivered you on the front side instead of the back side? I think so. I think so. And he said, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant that all our fathers, all, all, everybody say all, all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. This is a type of salvation. Everybody say salvation. So this is this is a a story that the Apostle Paul is giving. He's he's actually filling in the gap. What what happened in the wilderness mattered because we were in the wilderness till Jesus came. But then just like. God came and brought everybody out. Jesus is bringing us all out. Verse 2. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Moses is a type of Christ. Everyone not only was saved, everyone was baptized. Are you guys following me here? And it says all ate the same spiritual food. Everybody was was well fed. There was manna for everyone. Milk for the babes. Meat for the mature. There was There was plenty of spiritual food. No one's soul needed to be lean. No one's. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Uh, Have you read in the Old Testament the cloud by day, the fire by night? What is that? That's God leading His people. That's a type of being led by the Spirit in the New Testament. When the Spirit moves, we move. If the Spirit says stay, we stay. If the Spirit says wait, we wait. If the Spirit says worship, we worship. If the Spirit says sing, we sing. Alright? So, this is, this is what this is communicating to us, is that the, there was a, there was an illustration. There was an example of this to all of us. But notice, even though God saved them, they were baptized, well watered, well fed. What's verse 5 say? This is sobering. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. And who's he writing to? The church. And then he's going to state a case for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That wasn't God's will. Where does God want to take them to the promised land? They were scattered in the wilderness. And these things became our examples. to the intent or for the purpose that we should not lust after the evil things that they also lusted notice lust is a problem lust brings destruction lust brings destruction it causes your soul to be lean suddenly darkness and death are sitting at your table before long you're in prison and captivity they became idolaters idolater brings destruction as some of them as it was written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play nor let us commit sexual immorality that brings destruction that opens the door to darkness and death as some of them did and in one day 23000 fell judgment came to them nor let us tempt christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11 gives us a summary. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation. Has overtaken you except as is common to man. This is where we have to understand it's not them and us. It's all of us together. What they experience, we experience. Maybe not in the same way, but in the same way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Same temptations. Different setting, different time in history, but the same set of temptations. Satan is not new in how he is trying to bring destruction into our life. But God is faithful. There's a common denominator. Even at a low ebb, they cried out to God and notice he always comes because he always comes because he loves his kids. And God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear. He makes the way of escape. We may not like it, but that's the way. That's the way of escape is the way of thanksgiving. The way of thanksgiving. To deliver. Let me give you a brief definition here. And I want you to turn back to Psalms 107 as we're about to close. Deliverance implies this. It means to liberate or to free someone from an enemy. To rescue someone by paying their ransom note to redeem from slavery and to save from judgment, which means outside of God's intervention, mankind is being held in captivity, hijacked with no means to pay the ransom, imprisoned and in slavery and guilty and condemned, worthy to be sentenced and judged accordingly. But notice what God did. Let's look at verse 20. In verse 20, there is a message of hope. And this is the gospel. In the midst of all of that, God sent. He sent. He sent. Let's just stop right there. He sent. He sent exactly what we needed. It implies that we needed Him to come and deliver us because we were incapable of doing anything for ourselves. And, and, and Lord knows we've tried. You know, when we're in a bad place, we try. But God doesn't want us to try. God just wants to cry out to him and be thankful. God wants us to remember him. He comes and he delivers us. That means he liberates us from our enemies. He rescues us by paying a ransom note for us. He redeems us from slavery and from being in prison. And he saves us from pending judgment. We remember then that we cannot get free and stay free without him. We can't get free and stay free. Notice how many times. The psalmist said in 107. There's four different times beginning in the first verse. And then going through the course of that psalm. Where the psalmist was saying. Give thanks. But it's always preceded with the word. Oh. Oh give thanks. Oh give thanks. Which means that. There were multiple times when the people, God delivered them, He showed them the right way, correct? He got rid of darkness and death, and they were brought out of that. He took care of the leanness of their soul. He delivered them from all of their destructions, and somehow they went back to it. Just like 1 Corinthians chapter 10 said, hey, they've experienced salvation they 've been baptized they've they 've experienced the refreshing of the water and cleansing uh, they they were well fed they were well nourished and yet somehow they got away from Thanksgiving and getting away from thanksgiving. these problems started happening they started entertaining lust and idolatry and sexual immorality they started permitting and and justifying sin and unrighteousness into their life and 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 therefore, all of the the things came back upon them again. But he sent his word. He sent, he sent, exactly what we needed, someone to get us free and someone to keep us free. Right. It also lets us know that he sent means that we don't have the resources to pay off the ransom note against us. Uh, our blood isn't sufficient. You don't have enough money in the bank. You can't purchase your own soul. Only Christ could purchase your soul. Only his blood satisfies and pays the ransom note. And the third thing is this imprisonment, this guilty, this condemnation that's on each and every one of us outside of Christ. The only way it could be lifted if someone took our place and became our substitute. And Jesus took our stead and he took our judgment upon him. And that's why the psalmist said, and that's why I'm reminding you, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Because he got you free and he's keeping you free. Amen. His blood was shed and purchased. The ransom note. He let you out of captivity. So what did God send? The next phrase tells us he sent his word, his word. Which is light and truth and authority. That, that's what the Word of God is. The Word of God is light, truth, and authority, which would heal and deliver us from all destruction. That what would, what would heal us and deliver us from all instruction? The light of God's Word, the truth of God's Word, the authority of God's Word. Let me say that again. He sent His Word. The light of God's Word, the truth of God's Word, the authority of God's Word is what's going to heal and deliver you. It's not going to be anything that we can take credit for. I can put it this way. Because it doesn't do any injustice to scripture. He sent Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh. He sent Jesus to heal us and deliver us. And how is that happening? It's happening through the light of Jesus, through the truth of Jesus, through the authority of Jesus. That's how you get free and stay free. That's that's how you live the Christian life. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. It's in Christ that all things are made new. It's in him that all things are complete. Which means two things to me as I close. That sickness is something that God wants to minister. He wants to minister to us when we're sick. We talked about the eight different ways in which healing was described in Scripture and could manifest in our lives and Last week, it was through the gifts of the spirit laying on of hands, the anointing with oil and the prayer of faith through an individual's faith in Jesus, through the prayer of agreement, through communion, through God's anointed ministers and through repentance and rest and all. I'm just about done. The rest piece is important. Let's not continually break the Sabbath and and think that there's not consequences because all of these things were written in the Old Testament as examples to us in the New Testament. All of them were types and shadows of something that was much better to come. All of them were foreshadowing that which would come, which was Jesus Christ. Let's not neglect this great gift that God has given unto us. So what did God send his word to do to heal us and deliver us? Notice from what? What's the last phrase? From all destruction, not some. From everything that's trying to destroy. Now, who if, if destruction is going on in our life, and it's and it, it stated very clearly in Psalms 107, there's times where we're the ones that are permitting destruction. But what happens when we cry out to God? He delivers us from all of our destruction. So even if, if you're the root cause, right, there's no condemnation. God loves you. God shows up when you call to him. My encouragement is call early and often. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till... Your your soul is so lean and and to where darkness imprisons you and death surrounds you and destruction is your companion. Don't wait. Today's the day to call upon the name of the Lord. Don't don't wait. Don't don't say tomorrow. Don't do that. Don't don't delay. Don't hesitate. Don't put it off. Deliver us from all destruction, all the works, the plans, the weapons. Listen to me of the destroyer. If destruction is going on in our life, it means there's a destroyer behind it. Who's greater than the destroyer? Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. The Lord is greater than the destroyer. And when you praise him, he shows up in all of his power, all of his might, all of his glory. And when light shows up, darkness flees. And when truth shows up, listen, lies cease. When truth shows up, lies Cease. And when authority shows up. Antichrist lies leave. Because the authority of God is the word of God, is the person of God in Jesus Christ. All power, all authority belongs to him. And he's given it unto us. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. For his wonderful works, for his gift of salvation. Can I get an amen?